What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and we are less than 48 hours away from being back at NRG Stadium taking on the Washington Commanders, maybe with Chase Young, maybe without be a factor in the game. We'll find out, but we got plenty to talk about. With this game this evening, we are going to hear Mike Keys a little later in the show. We're also going to have my predictions where I pick games straight up and against the spread for fun, for fun. That's a good way to talk about games going on in the NFL. We're also going to have Anthony Armstrong from the Believe Sports Podcast Network. He is a former Washington Redskins receiver, and he will go. He will be our Beyond Enemy Sidelines interview with D.P. Sutter this week. We're also going to have a Drew's Dozen with Christian Harris. Yeah, they play Jenga. Yeah, they play Jenga, and I am very jelly. Or I guess that's as the kids say, very jelly. I'm envious. I wish I could be there for that. We'll also give the last word to Drew Doherty a little bit later in the show. And we'll also hear from later in the show, Oba Okoronkwo, who Mark and I had a chance to catch up with earlier this week. However, we start off each and every Friday show or the last show before our game with the head coach of your Houston Texans, Lovey Smith, jumped into the hot seat to talk to Mark Vandermeer. Let's go. Coach, it's your third straight matchup against an NFC East team, and they all seem to have these tough defensive fronts in common. Tell me about dealing with what Washington brings to the table in that department. Well, it does seem like that. Seem like hey, as far back as I can remember, each week we're talking about a defensive front, and uh, what what makes them special. First, you know, it's always about the inside out. Both of their interior guys, you know, have two first round players inside, and they play that way. They're excellent against the run, strong, athletic, to really be able to rush the passer. And then when you move to the outside, again, uh, they've invested in their, their front, and they play that way from sweat. Whether Chase Young plays or not, this is about as good a defensive line as we'll play. All right, let me put your tight end group in the spotlight here. No matter how you set it up personnel-wise, pass blocking, run blocking, or pass receiving? Which is more important? I would imagine the answer is yes. So tell me about that and how it goes into game planning. Well, it does. First off, we, we like to run the football. So, um, you know, having a, a tie, someone in that wide, traditional wide role which says that uh, you can do both well and maybe uh, more of an emphasis on what you can do as far as inline tight end blocking. We feel like we have that in Tegan. Uh, but nowadays, eventually, you need to be able to throw the ball, and we need pass catchers, and we think we have good matchups, whether it be Tegan. Uh, Jordan Akins has been outstanding. He's a tough matchup versus a linebacker uh, or safety. And O.J. Howard kind of gives you the mix. So Akins more pass, Tegan more run. Uh, O.J. gives you a combination of both. And Brevin. Um, also, at the tight end position, he can play. He can also back up uh, Troy at the fullback position, too, along with mm -hmm. being a tight end. When you're dealing with their offense, they have Taylor Heineke, but how much Wentz tape do you look at to get ready for the, what they might do to you offensively or try to do to you? Yeah, I think you just have to make a decision early on what we, who we think they will go with. I assume they were going to go – we assume they were going to go with Heineke, and why wouldn't you? I mean, they've been playing mm -hmm. their best football right now, and he's been leading them, so – um, we have history with Wentz and most of the guys that will be playing in the league, but right now our focus has been on Heineken most of the time. What about the way they run the ball? How do you handle that? 
Same. I mean, they we've talked about, you know, earlier about how good the receivers were that they had. And they wanted to be a just throw it every snap offense. Uh, I think they have the skill to do that. But there is a commitment to the run of being of having balance. And um, they play two running backs the majority of the time. Both have size, tough football players. So they running game wise, it matches up well with a good passing attack. Last time you played at home, you played well for the better part of the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. That was on a short week. Now you have a full week of prep. What about getting the energy of the home crowd behind you and that sort of thing? Excited about the crowd. Excited about just home, energy. You raise no place like home, all those things. And uh, we need them. I mean, we haven't given them a lot to be to cheer about right now. But that's why second half of the season, um, there have been a lot of good things we've done, putting a complete game together. Most of the times when you haven't, the best place to put a, a complete game together is at home. Fans have been outstanding and uh, can't wait to see them in the stadium. You know, as many as possible, we're asking them to come out and give us that little bit of boost that hopefully can get us over the hump. All right, Mark, good stuff with Lovey Smith, head coach of your Houston Texans. And, Mark, I'm not – I mean, I'm, I'm for a football coach, right? Yeah. And football coaches are the greatest thieves. I mean that in the nicest way, though. They but we're always things. borrowing from what mm. other people do, right? Mm -hmm. A thief Lot doesn't borrow. A thief doesn't give back. Well, okay. We're the greatest borrowers. Okay. How about that? Maybe okay. that's maybe that's a little that's bit better. Okay. So I'm going to borrow just one little thing that I've heard. Borrow one little thing that I've heard from our friends John Lopez and Landry Locker, led by Figgy. In the Loop does this segment where they have lunchtime confessions. Oh, I like this segment. I am yeah. ready to confess one thing I didn't think I would confess. Okay. But I'm ready to confess, and I want you to tell me whether I'm completely off base or, or what. You really like the Colts. Oh, you're close. You really like the Titans. Okay. It's not Ooh. that I like the Titans. You respect the Titans. There's my confession. I have come to this realization that I absolutely, totally, and without any bias, anything, I completely respect the Titans and how they go about their business. Last night against the Green Bay Packers, they had no Taylor Luan. He's been out for a while. They had no Ben Jones missing his second yes. game. I thought that was going to be massive. They moved Brewer, who's 275 pounds, to play center, and he went against Kenny Clark. And you didn't hear Clark's name once from the second quarter on. They're playing in the snow. They did get Traylon Burks back, but the receivers are Burks, Woods, Westbrook and Westbrook Akine. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill moves back in as quarterback. They didn't do anything against the Broncos, really. Of course, they've got Derrick Henry. Jeffrey Simmons has got a really bad ankle. And they go to Green Bay and beat the Packers by 10 on a short week on the road in mid-20s temperature. I have been trying to deny the Titans. Man, they're fake last year, which I do think they're a little bit of a fake. Mm -hmm. They were fake last year. And yet, here they are. With an offensive line that featured from left to right. Now, stop me when you recognize a name. <laughs> Dennis Daly, Dylan Radons, Aaron Brewer, Nate 
Davis, Nicholas Petit Ferrer. So you don't think those guys are going to the Pro Bowl? No, I do not. Mm. And they won the game on Thursday night against the Green Bay Packers with that group. Christian Fulton went out of the game, I think, at corner. He didn't play. I don't think Caleb Farley played. Um, Elijah Bolden wasn't quite ready to go. They were blitzing a Josh Kalu. And the only reason I remember it's Josh Kalu was because that was Oboe's teammate that he told us about when we yeah. talked to him on Tuesday at Aleaf Taylor High School. Yeah. This is a Titans team where Tannehill threw for 333 yards behind that offensive line. I saw it. Yeah. He went 22 of 27. He outpaced Aaron Rodgers by 106 yards. Derrick Henry just had 87. But they found a way with a rookie at wide receiver, a cast off in Robert Woods at wide receiver, Austin Hooper, who is now on his third team. And yet they go to Green Bay and win a game. Now, I know the other side of this is Green Bay is not very good this year. The aberration that was Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys obviously was an aberration because they haven't been able to carry it forward. The yep. Packers are four and seven. The Packers are completely flawed defensively. Mm -hmm. It's bad. Yet mm -hmm. these daggum Titans go and win a football game. And Mark, I am just done fighting it. I'm done fighting it. I have fought it. I have fought the good fight forever. I can't They're fight Fugazi. this feeling I anymore. I can't fight it anymore. I am confessing. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I love the Titans, this and that. But No, you respect what they're doing I with picked, what they've got. And I've that's picked, okay. It's I've a football picked thing. against them. Mm. I'm, they're going to lose big games. I'm done doing it. You Mike Vrabel is arguably a top five, top three coach in the league. They are just, yeah. it's just amazing yeah. to watch what they're doing yeah. in Tennessee. Now, will it catch up to them in the playoffs? Maybe it does. I think it absolutely Maybe does. Maybe it Johnny. does. I think, I don't think they're built for playoff success because I think last night even, Tannehill was having a terrific game. And then late, yeah. he throws that interception. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. You had one job, and that's not to turn the ball over. You're up two scores. Yep. You're about to add a field goal. Don't force the issue don't let it rip unless you are absolutely sure it's going into the hands of the right person. And he throws that pick, and I still can't understand what, what he was doing on that right. play, but he had a terrific game otherwise. Johnny, you know what they've become? They've become the Colts they yeah. in a different way. They don't right. have Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, but they're on, they are a nemesis now mm -hmm. to the rest of the AFC yep. South. John Robinson, you talk about Vrabel. John Robinson, Johnny, that GM gets there in 2016. They go winning season, winning season with Malarkey. They beat the Chiefs in the playoffs with Alex Smith. And then they fire Malarkey to bring in Vrabel. Yep. And Vrabel comes in. They go winning season, no playoffs. And then it's playoffs, playoffs the rest of the way down the line. Now, they haven't had tremendous playoff success other than the year they beat the Patriots on the road and the top-seeded Ravens on the road. That was really terrific. And had a lead in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Yeah, but so did we the week before mm -hmm. in the yeah, divisional well, round. But anyway. Yeah. Right, good point. They are doing really well, particularly since last year they were not only snake bit by injuries, they were dragon lit by injuries. Right. They had more than anybody else, a yes. record amount. Like 77 players. Yeah. Something like that. And the Texans had one of those year. records in 2017, and then right. they broke it, whatever the case may be. And this year they're really depleted as well. And Henry right now is not running for a ton of yards. He did against the Texans, unfortunately. But Henry right now is a guy who is just trying to 
keep it going and suck the defense in, and then they're thrown over the top. Now that they have Tannehill back, everything's much better for them in the passing game, obviously, without Malik Willis. And I'm with you. I think that they are a team to admire. Uh, Vrabel is, a, is an excellent coach. I hate them like poison. I want them to suffer. But they are not suffering enough, and it's just terrible. They, they continue to overcome obstacles. Absolutely. And to your point, Henry had 87 yards. What was his longest rush? rush? Oh, it was nothing. Against the Packers. It was like nine yards nine or yards. something. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Nine yards. They did not produce a run longer than nine yards, but they kept to it. I got another one for you. In the win over Denver, he had 53 yards. Right. Tannehill threw for 255. This is their model right now. You come up and stop Henry. Otherwise, he's going to kill you. Tannehill will beat you. Now Tannehill's going to beat you with our receivers who aren't going to the Pro Bowl either. And somehow we're going to find a way to win. Now, Green Bay is a damaged team. Denver, obviously a damaged team. Still, you have to give them credit. They came close to beating Kansas City at Kansas City with Malik Willis. Right. Right. They were right there, and if Mahomes doesn't decide to run like crazy, which he did that night, they're winning that game. So credit Mahomes for finding a way to get the ball in the end zone and keep the ball away from the Titans. So, yeah, they are a dangerous team. I don't think they're going to be the top seed in the AFC or anything like that this year, but they'll be in the playoffs, and they'll be interesting. 7-3, and three, they've won seven of their last eight. The only loss, like you said, was to Malik Willis, was with Malik Willis playing the Chiefs, and they had a lead, and that game went to overtime. Oh, and I forgot last night they were playing without Zach Cunningham, too, on defense. So, seven of eight, seven and three right now. Oh, and to my point, to finish my point about Henry, he had 87 yards rushing. Yeah. But he had 45 receiving, too. It's only a couple of catches, but he had right. one for 42 yards. Makes so, a difference. He's so for he threw you know, a touchdown pass. And he threw a touchdown <laughs> pass. So, it's like they're getting production from everybody. And, and he said, how good a game did Ryan Tannehill have when he threw an interception? And his quarterback rating was still 127.3. Yeah, that's something. That's incredible. That's something. And Henry said after the game, I, I liken myself, I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> to a young Peyton Manning. Man. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see the clip, but I just read it, and I think that's funny. And I hate them. Johnny, this has got to stop. Somehow, some way, you got to rise up and stop them. Okay. So and we'll see what happens. You have to continue to add talent and compete with those guys. Because as bad as that game was here, it was pretty bad on the stat sheet. It was even worse with over 300 rushing yards allowed. You know, you had a chance, a drive in the fourth quarter. You're in the game. Who knows what happens, but you haven't been able to beat them other than up there last year. You know what? As I say, they're the the Colts. That's the most unbelievable thing to think about. Yes. As I say, they're the Colts. They're not the Colts to the Texans because the Texans have still only beaten the Colts nine times in franchise history. You've beaten the Titans a ton. Now they kind of they have the edge lately. I get it. But you're going to get another shot at them on Christmas Eve. You never know what happens. So they swept the Colts. So here are their final seven games. Bengals at home. Revenge. At Philly. That'll be hard. Then home Jacksonville. At the Chargers, have been up and down. Then us at home for them. Then Dallas at home for them. And then at Jacksonville to finish the year. I can't predict anything with them, Johnny. I mean, I can't either. They could have a losing record in that stretch. And I wouldn't be totally shocked because these games are all close. And maybe finally Tannehill gets picked off a couple of times. But that's my confessional. I'm not picking. I'm not going to. I've been so quick to pick against them against. Uh, against marquee teams or They're what tough. you think are marquee teams, and they just 
hang in a game. And with Henry, it's so hard. You, I mean, the Packers had the box packed. And he's still four yards here. Third and short, he's picking it up. And they got stuffed on a fourth down, down in the red zone, yes. if I remember correctly. They got stuffed on that. It's like... Doesn't matter. Doesn't well, matter. But they the turned other right around, and they, they almost sacked Rodgers or almost got an intentional grounding in the end zone for a safety. So it's... They could flush Rodgers out, but Rodgers was missing guys he would normally hit. Oh, he this missed is, some bad The other throws. side of this whole equation from last night, anyway, is yeah. Aaron Rodgers. And you're right. After they beat Dallas, you thought, okay, they get with this one last night. Right. They're within a game of 500, and they can put together a run at the end of the season, get them into the playoffs, and who knows what happens. But now it's almost a win-out situation for them. They could afford maybe one more loss on the season. Yeah, they have seven losses. And Rodgers doesn't look like himself. No, he doesn't. He doesn't look like the Aaron Rodgers we used to know. I don't know if it's too much ayahuasca. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but it's not clicking for him right now. Eventually, time, father time wins out over everybody. Hasn't done it for Brady yet. But maybe he's factoring in for Aaron Rodgers, among other things, maybe nagging injuries. I don't know what to make of it. I'm glad you said it because I was going to call it kombucha because I couldn't remember the name of it, but ayahuasca. <laughs> kombucha is okay. a little different yeah. from ayahuasca. Um, how do you feel about Sunday? Against the com. All right. So I almost called them Commodores <laughs> against the Commanders. Dang it. All right. What do you think about Sunday? How do you right. feel? I think that uh, there's going to be some sweet sounds coming down on the night shift Yeah. that night. When the Commodores sing without Lionel Richie, because I think there's a good shot here, Johnny. And look, you know me. People think that I predict these games. I don't. And no. I won't predict this one. I but never predict I will our be games very from... surprised if the Texans are right are not right there again in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. And I think that this is a tough situation for Washington on the short week, flying high. Mm -hmm. I know they run the ball well. I know they have that defensive front, which might be better than whatever they've seen lately, and they've seen a lot of good stuff lately. We heard from Lovey. You saw a great front against the Giants. You saw a great front against the Eagles, and you saw a great front against the Titans before that. But somehow, someway, at home, Texans find a way to stay in it, make plays. Mills throws a couple of touchdown passes, and they don't turn it over in the fourth quarter, where, as we said last night, they're minus four on the season in the turnover margin in the fourth quarter. They're plus four in quarters one through Three, they got to find a way to stay plus or even in the fourth quarter and make the plays. To your point, if you even go back to 2021, this team has played nothing but close games that have been decided mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. So I went back, even I think in the Seattle game, I think going into the fourth quarter of the Seattle game, yeah, the Texans were down 19-13 going into the fourth quarter of that Seattle game. So that Seattle game was not quite a year ago. That was December 12th. So that got blown out in the fourth quarter. Then you won two in a row that were actually close going in the fourth quarter, but you pulled away from Jacksonville and the Chargers. San Francisco was 10-7 going into the fourth quarter. The Titans, you were down but you got that thing within 21-18 and then again 28-25. So that was a close game. Every game that they have played for almost a calendar year has been a close game. So I don't think there is a way that either one of these teams run away with this thing. Yeah. And if it's a game in the fourth quarter, can you just make more plays than Taylor Heineke? And that's, to me, that's the difference. But if I have, if I'm Lovey Smith, I walk in and I say, I want the game to be on his shoulders. 
tough as that may sound, I want the game to be on his shoulders. I want him to have to make a throw to beat us. And if they do, salute. You want Heineke to have I to beat you. I want Heineke throw. to have to beat you. Well, I'd love to have a lead because I, I know it sounds silly. Like, well, get a lead, Vandermeer. Really? Really? Is that your recipe for success? Have the lead. Yes. Have the lead when the clock strikes, strikes zero. But my point is this. Have a lead in the fourth quarter where you put the pressure on the opponent right. to make the plays through the air in particular, and maybe you can get after him with the pass rush, right. right? And I know the rushing yardage totals and everything, and I saw what Barkley did last week, but I'm here to tell you that as bad as it looks over 150 allowed to a single running back, the Texans were in that game. We all saw right. it together, but they're not making enough plays on the offensive side of the ball in the fourth quarter in particular. Got to find a way to do that. Don't turn it over in the red zone. Even if you kick field goals last right. week, you have a much better shot, obviously. It's a totally different game played out if you just have to kick field goals. There. I think it's a Davis Mills game. You're going to be able to get your rushing yards. They're going to move the ball on the ground, as usual. The Texans will. It's going to be about Mills and some pass protection along with that, please. But Mills being able to adjust. Mills being able to roll out of the pocket where he is pretty effective when he does that. Find a way to make plays. And it's the old cliche, lead your team to victory. Right. That's Find a very good way. point. And here's another one to go along with that, because I was going to hit you with a stat or a number. Ian Rappaport okay. and some others have tweeted this. He tweeted this earlier this afternoon, actually in the morning. Despite early optimism, it might be too early for commanders, pass rusher Chase Young to play this Sunday versus the Texans, source said. His 21-day window closes on November 23rd, and the Falcons game on the 27th sounds like a better target. He's doing well, just may not be quite ready yet. Now, I would absolutely love to see a game without Chase Young. But let's mm -hmm. say Chase Young plays. How about this number? Front four, Texans offensive line. So five offensive linemen, four front four, right? Right. Nine guys. Seven former first-rounders. Wow. Seven. If Chase Young plays, that's a line where they went John Allen 17, Deron Payne in 18, Montez Sweat in 2019, and Chase Young in 2020. They went D-line, 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 D-line. Wow. <laughs> and now what do we have in 2022? Arguably the most dominant D-line in the NFL. Yeah, they're, they're doing great. And then on the Texan side, you have Larry Tunsil, 2016. You have Kenya Green, 2022. And you have Titus Howard uh, in 2019. You have 78% mm. of the hog mollies in that particular matchup, first-rounders. Flip it over to the other side. When the commanders are out on the field, how many first-rounders are out on the field? One. Can you name him? On the O-line. O-line commanders against a Texans D-line. Can you name the one first-rounder amongst it? those nine? 55, double nickel, Jerry Hughes. We always forget that because Jerry went late in the first round. Oh, you were saying on the Texans side. I was, if you go I was, to the other side. I was rifling through their line right. to find a first-rounder. Yeah, Jerry Hughes. Yeah, they don't have one on their line, but if you go two teams if ago, you go commanders front versus Texans O-line, right. seven of nine first-rounders. If you go commanders offensive line versus Texans front. Collectively one. only one. Collectively Jerry. only one. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's wild to think about how – you know, I you know me. I always like to see how teams are are built. But Quick Chase Young on. potentially in, potentially out. We'll find out more. That's probably going to be one of those game time things we find out at Sunday at nine o'clock. Quick thought on this: Kenyon Green facing all these fire breathing dragons at defensive tackle, so he faces another one yep. this week. Does it or could it help that he's seen so many tough players that 
week by week, hey, I think I need to do this instead of that, and maybe this will help. Does he get better within the course of the season in this murderer's row run, or is that too much to ask? No, I don't think it's too much to ask. I think it's too much to ask for him to be pristine and perfect. But I do think he will have learned something. And the thing with with Payne and Allen inside is they're both different. Payne is kind of a poor man's Dexter Lawrence. He's not quite as big as Dexter, but he has sort of the same playing style. And then you have John Allen, who, when he was coming out of Alabama, he was playing defensive end. And then when they rush him on the inside, now he's just a full-on defensive tackle, given the fact they have Sweat and they have Chase Young. So he doesn't really go outside much. But he's so stout and strong. So they're all a little bit different. So even when you think you've learned something, Mm. going against Dexter Lawrence, all of a sudden then you face a John Allen. And so now you want to attack him in a different way. And then all of a sudden John Allen hits you with that, that hump move, the Reggie White hump move, which he's perfected which is nearly – I don't know how a man pulls it off, but Jonathan Allen does it perfectly. So he's going to try that, I would imagine, on Kenyon Green. But, again, you go back to you run the ball, and if you run it effectively, then you have an opportunity to slow them down just a little bit on the pass rush. Now they're not just you know ears pinned back and they're giving you the best rush moves. They actually have got to work to know, okay, was that pass rush or not? And you just need a half second sometimes. Split second as, a, as an interior guy going against some of those guys. So either way, I think he's going to learn something. And I think he is going to having, again, I said I used the Dwayne Brown uh, situation. Dwayne had to go against all his pass rushers. He learned and he got better uh, doing it. I think Kenyon will. Will it all pay off in one game where we go, that's it, the light went on. I don't know if we have that. But I do think we'll see a few moments. Well, maybe the light is a dimmer and you can just turn it up at least a little bit, have an improved performance, and make some hay. I like making hay. And we'll make more hay on the other side as I give you the exact keys to the game for a win against these commanders right here on Texans All Access. We're going to dive into my keys to the game here in just a second. But I got to give some props to some of our biggest fans out there today in Houston. And that is Dykin. These guys are doing big things in our city, H-Town. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Dykin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Dykin, D-A-I-K-I-N, Dykin loves Houston.com. All right, let's dive into these keys to the game Against the Washington Commanders. I do meet you every Friday right here in this particular segment. It's not a team that we face a lot. Face them every four years. Now, we could face them again in a couple years, but that remains to be seen. We face them every four years. Eight years in between trips, and so it's been eight years since the team formerly known as the Redskins. In 2014, they came here as the Redskins. Head coach is Jay Gruden. Quarterback was Robert Griffin III. They come here in 2022, and they are the Washington Commanders. Two name changes since. Two head coaching changes since. It's now Ron Rivera, and the quarterback is Taylor Heineke, who used to quarterback the Texans for a very short time in 2017 on Christmas night against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's how much things have changed since the Commanders have been here. So let's dive into my keys. Give me my music because I thrive with my music going. And let's talk about facing this Commanders offense. Now, There is nothing about this commander's offense that you look at the numbers and go, whoa, oh boy, we're in trouble. 
When we get to the individual talent, there are some elite players on this offense. But as a group, eh, not very. They average 112 yards per game on the ground. That's 20th in the NFL. They throw for 211.7. That's 26th in the NFL, 22nd in the NFL. Total offense, 324 yards per game. That's 25th in the NFL. They've turned the ball over 13 times. Now, that has been more with Carson Wentz than it's been with Taylor Heineke. But as I heard a commander's analysts say this week he will throw you one you better capitalize on it so it's taylor heineke running backs brian robson jr rookie antonio gibson and then the wide receivers curtis samuel terry mclaren Jahan dotson dino vasso secondary coach said that might be well he said it's the best trio he didn't say it might be he just said it is it's probably the best that we've faced up to this date up uh, or to date so gonna have their hands full and they're going to have their hands full without Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley is out of this game. Dealing with that hamstring, it became more of an issue on Wednesday. I don't know that I've seen him in the building this week. I know he's been there, but I just haven't seen him. He's just getting rehabbed and getting ready to go. And he is out for this game. Now, on the other side, the commanders have out uh, Cole Holcomb, J.D. McKissick, two key pieces, one on defense, one special teams, and third down situations. So those three players are out of this game. So that's going to make it that much more problematic, especially when we get to key number two. And we'll get to that in just a second. So let's start with key number one. Three yards in a cloud of winds. Now, you know the phrase, three yards in a cloud of dust, right? It was coined way back in the 60s, probably to describe Vince Lombardi's offense. Three yards in a cloud of dust. Well, you get three yards on four downs. You get first downs. You move the chain. And that's exactly what the Commanders did against Philadelphia. Nothing special. They ran for just over three yards of carry. But they ran it 49 times. They just kept moving the sticks. Eagles kept giving them the ball back. And they kept moving the sticks with Robinson and Gibson. Now, they're a little different running backs. Robinson is a, he's a hammerhead. He is just going to keep charging forward. He creates his own holes with his power and his run-through ability. Antonio Gibson was a former receiver in college, but he has running back skills, and so they kind of use him in a lot of different ways. But between the two, I think they combined for 40 carries. So three yards in a cloud of wins, that's how they're winning, the, winning games. They're controlling the ball. They're keeping opposing offenses on the sideline, and then they're bludgeoning a defense. And like we've talked about a million times, this – Texans defense is one that's been bludgeoned. Now, the flip side of that is the Texans run defense was good at times against the Giants. Notice I said at times. Then there were times where Saquon Barkley ripped off some chunks. I bet if you took, and I didn't do the math on this, but if you took the top three or four runs and took them out, that left 31, 32 carries for Barkley, and I guarantee you it was for under 100 yards. So there were times they were doing a really good job against the run. They're going to have to be that and better against the Commanders. That's the only thing the Commanders want to do. Now, it's really the only thing the Giants want to do, but Gibson and Robinson are not Saquon Barkley. But they're equally difficult to tackle. Number two, Scary Terry. Now, Scary Terry becomes even more scary. Now, he's not scary for the Commanders. He is scary for all opponents. He is one of the most impressive dudes you're going to meet off the field. He was the captain of Ohio State. Even though he was number four wide receiver there, he's coming to the league and been a superstar. He's scary for opponents. 
So how did the Texans account for him? He had eight catches for 128 yards against the Eagles. And Taylor Heineke looks him up about three to four times more than he looks up any other pass catcher on his team. With no Stingley, how do they go about slowing down Terry McLaurin? Do they let him get his, just try and keep him from getting all the deep balls? So maybe like a 6-4-90 kind of game, but no touchdowns, and everybody else gets very minimal targets and receptions. Maybe that's the way you go about it. I don't know how you fully account for him, whether it's you put Steven Nelson on him, give help, or whether it's Desmond King and you give help. Either way, you do have to give some help to whomever is covering Terry McLaurin. He's that good. Now, Jahan Dotson's got his thing, but Heineke doesn't love going to anybody else other than Terry McLaurin. How will they get the ball to Curtis Samuel? Eh, that's a it's a different kind of ball of wax. And I'm, I would imagine they're going to find ways to get the ball to Curtis Samuel in different ways. But it's McLaurin. He's the problem. And with no Stingley, now you've got a situation of, well, how do we account for this guy? Who do we put on him? And how do we account for it in man? The hope is, and my hope is, that they do so well against the run that they can bring blitzes like they did in the third quarter against the Giants. They just have to be tighter in man coverage such that they don't give up something to Darius Slayton, who then has got room to run, and he runs for 54 yards of touch. They can't do that because McLaren will do the same thing to them that Slayton did, and McLaren is that much better. Last one, on offense, gritty gutting a playmaker, and that is Taylor Heineke. Now, in 2017, he was with Texas for a little bit. Only saw him for a handful of plays because he ended up getting hit, taking a concussion, and then he wasn't back here in 2018. And since then, he's been on an odyssey. Well, he ended up in Washington in 2020, late in the year. And he started the playoff game. It looked very, very good. But it's as if the commander's management didn't really, ah, you know, we got Taylor, but we'll get another guy. We got Taylor, but we'll get another guy. Well, this might be the last of we need to get another guy. Because Taylor Heineke might be locking down that face of the franchise position going forward. Because it isn't Carson Wentz. I really wish we were facing Carson Wentz. We're not. Heineke finds a way. And that might be the best asset he has. And it's a damn good one. He finds a way. The throws aren't always perfect. The runs aren't always perfect. But he finds a way to win a ball game. He finds a way to make that throw at that time when the commanders really need it. And the Colts had them beat. The Colts had them beat 16-10. Commanders haven't moved the ball all game long. What does, what does Heineke do? Finds McLaurin deep ball. They get down to the one. Heineke sneaks it in. They win the game 17-16. And that's what got the winning streak going for them. Heineke is a playmaker. Those guys at quarterback are very, very tough to stop. And in that way, he's kind of Case Keenum-esque where nothing is perfect. But, man, you trust that guy. I mean, heck, commanders were putting on a bunch of chains and giving him a bush light the other night on the way home <laughs> from the win against the Eagles. He's that guy. And he's got, a, he's got a confidence and arrogance, so how do the Texans shake that up? How do they get to him and rattle him? And that is going to be a big key. If they can't do that, it's a long afternoon. But if they can, maybe he throws them not only one, but maybe throws them a couple, and maybe that's enough to change what I think is going to be a very close game either way, no matter who wins. Taylor Heineke is going to be tough. Now, let's throw over the defense. They're giving up 111.3 yards per game. That's 12th in the league. They give up 213 yards per game through the air. That's 15th in the league. And they allow 324 yards per game. That's 10th in the league. This is a salty defense. 
Why? Well, let's get to key number one. Chasing Young. Now, let's talk about this Chase Young situation. Mark and I mentioned earlier, Ian Rappaport put out a tweet earlier in the morning on Friday saying that they weren't quite sure that Chase Young was going to be ready to go. Thank you. Because in this situation, Chase Young really could have just played pass rusher and that's it. And that would have made him ultra, ultra dangerous. So if there is no chasing Young, can the Texans get away with doing some things against James Smith-Williams, who's played on the outside for Chase Young? Can they do some things in that direction? Chase Young would have created a ton of problems. No Chase Young, thank you. Now, there's still a thought. I've not seen anything to date saying that he has been activated, that he is uh, being added to the roster. That hasn't happened. And if that doesn't happen on Saturday, which typically is when it happens, Chase Young won't play. And that, oh, man, that's a huge sigh of relief. Huge. Because, I get them to key number two, the Texans still have to face that interior. And the interior of Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen is maybe the best duo they've faced. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Jeffrey Simmons, Tier Tart. They have faced as many good duos in the last four games as they could possibly want to face. Well, this one's the best. That's my opinion. I think it's a lot of people's opinion, actually. But Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne cause nightmares for the interior. Now, it probably would have been key number one had Chase Young, had we known about Chase Young earlier in the week. Because of the way those interior defenders that I've mentioned, Javon Hargrave had three sacks against the Texans. Dexter Lawrence had five quarterback hits and a sack and a half and dominated the game. Jeffrey Simmons and Tierra Tart just weren't going to be blocked that day. They just weren't allowing themselves to get blocked. So the Texans not only have faced really difficult interiors, they have struggled with those interiors. So I don't know what the best way of going about blocking two guys, but you have three guys in the interior, and you've got to find a way to block those two guys effectively. And at some point in the passing game, they're going to get guard center, guard one-on-one. And I would... I would bet that after watching film, they want the rookie Kenyon Green. And Kenyon's got some room to work. There's no doubt. Kenyon would tell you that. Everybody tells you that. I mean, it's, it's evident he has room to grow. But this would be a great time for Kenyon to step up and take on those two monsters in Jerome Payne and Jonathan Allen and stand up and say, man, I got this. You might have to give him some help. Now, one of the things that's hard to do is give an interior player help from some other position, tight end, running back. Those guys are always helping the outside. I don't think the Texans' tackles need it. But how do you use running backs on the inside? That's going to be the hard part. And I don't know how you go about doing that. But the Texans may have to do that. Belichick did that with J.J. Watt. He had a running back help out the guard and put the guard one-on-one, but then use the running back to go help on J.J., and what the running back would do was get J.J.'s hands down. Well, I don't care how you use the running back or what you fullback. I don't care what you do. But those guys have got to help the interior to block Jonathan Allen and Jerome Payne or it's going to be a long freaking day. Last and certainly not least, 
who covers Nico. Now, this could be a battle of former Michigan Wolverine 2017 recruits. Benjamin St. Juice, 6'3", 200 pounds, actually matches up size-wise with Nico. They were in the same Michigan Wolverine recruiting class. St. Juice was there for a year in 17, then he transferred in 18 to Minnesota. They never played against each other after that, but they definitely have faced each other in practice. Now, I bring that up because Nico had faced Fabian Moreau in practice, so he had some knowledge of how Moreau would handle things, and he used that against him on the goal line touchdown that he had. That was a beautiful route. What does Nico know about St. Juiced, and how can he use that against the Washington Commanders' best corner on Sunday? Keep an eye on that battle, 25 v. 12, and hope that number 12 Nico Collins is the better of that matchup. All right, when we get back, let's go around the NFL. Just a couple news and notes that you need for your fantasy teams next, right here on Texas All Access. Welcome back to Friday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Let's go around the NFL, hit a couple of news and notes here quickly before we go to our second hour. The Chiefs are down not one, but two wide receivers. One got put on injured reserve on Thursday. That's Miko Hardman. Juju Smith-Schuster is out due to a concussion he suffered last week in Week 10 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Chiefs don't need you crying in your beer, but those are probably two players on a lot of people's fantasy teams. So, Miko Hardman, IR, Juju Smith-Schuster out dealing with the concussion. The Bills are dealing with one Hell of a storm. Holy smokes. Friday's practice was canceled due to the weather, with players and coaches set to meet virtually. Now, the Bills plan to travel to Detroit on Saturday, but Coach Sean McDermott said Friday the details are obviously TBD at this point. McDermott told reporters, we want to head out as close to the normal time as possible. However, again, seeing what's happening around us right now, just want to make sure that all the staff and players' families are safe and dug out before we want to try to get out of here, just so everyone's mind is in the right spot, knowing that their families are all safe. The game will take place on Sunday in Detroit. Bills v. Browns, and we need the Bills to win. So hopefully they can get up there and play that game, and then they have to return back there to play the Lions on Thanksgiving. So wild stuff going on right now in Buffalo. And if you have seen uh, Orchard Park, oh, my goodness. Holy smokes, it's crazy. All right, it's not crazy. Is going behind enemy sidelines. Andrews does, and that's all next right here on Texans All Access. We got one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. For your Houston Texans, and it's time to go behind enemy sidelines. And nothing like getting a former commander, uh, former Redskin, Anthony Armstrong, who was a wide receiver for the Redskins back in the day, and now he's part of the Believe Sports Podcast Network, and he caught up with DP to talk about this matchup against the Commanders. We're going behind enemy sidelines with former Washington wide receiver Anthony Armstrong, now a co-host on the Believe Commanders podcast. Anthony, welcome in. Have you recovered from the Monday night game that I think really caught the entire country by surprise? Oh, I'm still living. I'm still living live off of that one, DP. I'm <laughs> in a great mood. I mean, that one, usually you have to stay up late uh, and sometimes you get let down. That was a good reason to stay up late past my bedtime. 
Yeah, a big win. They defeat the undefeated, previously undefeated Eagles. I mean, you cover the team every single week. How surprised are you at the fact that Washington went in there, two touchdown underdogs, and were able to come out with the win on the road? I'm really not that surprised at all, simply because that was a different team than what Philly faced in week three. I mean, week three, you had Carson Wentz. You didn't have Brian Robinson. And frankly, you know, Carson hadn't settled into that offense. And no. So now when you had Taylor Heineke show up, there's a guy who's very seasoned in Scott Turner's offense. And you could see the way that the team responds to him being that quarterback. And that team has a different attitude with Brian Robinson carrying the ball as well. It's a totally different Washington team, much more dangerous now than they were in week three. Well, we saw Taylor Heineke back in Houston in 2017, very briefly. And now I'm watching the celebratory videos on the plane. He's wearing all the chains, all the necklaces, all the glasses, all the jewelry. The commanders have gone three and one with Heineke. And now with Carson Wentz possibly coming off of IR, has Heineke done enough to just really solidify himself as a starting quarterback here for the rest of the season? I think that he has, especially if you look at the fact that the entire NFC East does have a chance to make it into the playoffs. You have to give yourself a chance to to actually go for that. I mean, I'm a guy that says winning fixes all ails, right? So no need to try to lose and get up the up the or down the draft board. Win some ball games. See what he can do. You can obviously see the way this team responds with him at quarterback. And if you heard Terry McLaurin's monologue after the game talking to Scott Van Pelt, I mean, he was going on for about 30, 45 seconds. And he, he did mention Carson Wentz. Uh, so he definitely said the right thing, but you could tell uh, how he feels about Taylor Heineke. And, and if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm listening to my captain. I'm listening to Terry McLaurin. I'm, I'm going to let four ride. I'm glad you brought up Terry McLaurin because I can see why he's happy. His usage, his numbers, everything's gone up with Heineke uh, in the lineup. He's emerged as just his favorite target. He's averaging 16 yards a catch. What does he do well as a top receiving threat? And did you see his usage change once Heineke was in the lineup? Oh, usage has definitely increased. The past four games with Taylor Heineke has been eight targets minimum per game. Uh, last game, he had 11 total. So that's definitely been a huge usage. He only had that happen one time uh, earlier in the season, and he's had two 100-yard games with Taylor Heineke uh, under center. So I know he's enjoying that. But the thing that I like the most about Terry McLaurin is he's extremely humble and he's patient. Yeah, you hear a lot about receivers being divas and they want to get the ball in their hands early and often. Earlier in the season, he didn't touch the ball early. And a lot of times he had to make a late catch and he showed up as if he was getting the ball all throughout the game. And basically having to suffer through that, for lack of a better word, he's deserving this moment to show up and get the ball early and often and make an impact with this team. Uh, it really opens up the offense and makes it easier on everybody else on the field. Well, that uh, commander's offense, I mean, they just dominated in that Monday night game. I felt like every time I looked at the TV, it was the commander's offense on the field. We didn't see much of Jalen Hurts and and Philly's offense. And a big part of that was just what they were able to do on the ground. We saw Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson get a rushing touchdown. They also had Curtis Samuel getting carries. It seems like there's wide receivers playing running back, running backs playing wide receivers. Uh, you know, what's the toughest part for opposing defenses when facing that commander's offense and all these skill players? You know, I think that the versatility that comes with uh, Washington's offense is what's going to give any defense, you know, trouble. You talk about receivers playing running back. Antonio Gibson was a college receiver. And then you flip vice versa that Curtis Samuel was a running back initially when he got to Ohio State. So being able to run routes from the backfield creates a lot of different matchups. It allows Scott Turner to get extremely creative and find different ways to get guys into spaces. I mean, 
you, you have linebackers that, that have to cover people that were former receivers. So it just puts a lot of strain on defenses. And you can't sit back and, and rely on the old school tactics of, hey, just go hit the guy carrying the ball because that guy might run a route, might run an option route, and you know, RPOs. And there's just so much creativity nowadays that guys have to be way more versatile in how they can move around, play in the run, and try to play the pass. All right, that defense has allowed just 17.3 points per game during the last four games. So what's been the key for that front to get so much pressure on opposing quarterbacks? And that's been all without Chase Young so far as well. You know, I, I feel like once they parted ways with their, you know, Sam Mills uh, Jr., he was the defensive line coach. They brought Ryan Kaharigan in, elevated Scott uh, Scanina. That that defensive line has really just grown and elevated throughout the season. They're anchored by John Allen and Deron Payne. Those two guys cause so much havoc up front, and it allows those other the other guys, F.E. Obadas and and just uh, the the Ridgeways that have come in. Those guys can just work as one total unit. Montez Sweat, a name that you forget, uh, with so many people out here, you don't even have Chase Young. You mentioned that, and he he could show back up, and with him coming back into the into the fold, it, it could be dangerous. It could be very dangerous. I mean, the unit's really, really performing well. They've been the, the, the foundation of that defense, the really stronghold uh, that sets the tone for what that defense wants to do. All right, Chase Young. I mean, we've seen the news that he could come back here in week 11 against the Texans. He hasn't played in about a year. So coming off an ACL injury when a guy hasn't played in that long, you know, what are your expectations for when he does come back? If he does come back against the Texans, would you expect he'd be on a snap count? And, and you know, how much rust could you expect from a guy like that? Yeah, I, I would expect a, a snap count. And I have to applaud the Washington training staff and coaching staff. They've handled injuries very well, uh, you know, now with Curtis Samuel and with Chase Young. I think they have those guys on the right path, taking their time to get them back on the field. Uh, but the first thing I'm paying attention to with Chase Young is just that first time of impact where he has to deal with, you know, a pulling guard or a tight end. I mean, they have a lot of, you know, uh, rules now that help protect defensive linemen's knees so somebody's going to throw a block at him and you can call it what it is that's just how the league is you're going to see what do you think about your knee are you confident in it because if he's not confident in it then there's going to be a lot of Damian Pierce that's going to run right over that side uh, and they don't want to have that happen with uh, with Washington so I think he'll be on a snap count uh, but I'm excited to see his explosiveness, trying to see, you know, how much speed does he have off the edge? Does he still have that reactiveness, that change of direction that makes him so dangerous? I mean, I think they should just give him another couple of weeks to rest. I mean, just like let him rest a little bit more and then just yeah. take his time coming back. It's not, a, it's not a problem to do that. I mean, that, that's not there's no there's not there's no reason to just say we need to him rush now. him back. Yeah. And then you have a bye week in week 14, you know, so. If, if Taylor's able to continue to put a couple of wins together, I think Washington can win these next two games. You know, maybe you don't need to throw Chase Young back out there. Give him a few more weeks, like you're saying. And yeah, then you have the built-in bye week, and now you have a fresh Chase Young heading into the end of the season. Now, that's something that's very dangerous. I like how you're thinking. I mean, I was just selfishly saying that so the Texans wouldn't have to see him in this first game back. <laughs> but as, as, a former, <laughs> as a former wide receiver yourself, I don't know if you've ever done this, but back-to-back -back games on the road going from Monday night and then a Sunday noon game. How tough is that for the players? I mean, do you, how do you manage recovery between two very quick games together and both on the road with all that travel in between? Well, you, you kind of have to lose a day on the front end and on the back end. Uh, and then there's, they're going to probably take an extra day out of the middle of the week. So you get a, it's almost similar to that, you know, Sunday to Thursday schedule that teams have. It's going to be a very truncated schedule. That's that ends up being a tough part because you're not. I say truncated schedule, truncated playbook. 
you know, maybe you don't get to add in as many wrinkles that you as you normally would. Uh, but there's a lot more mental reps. You know, hopefully at this part of the season, teams don't need a lot of physical equipment to get out there and, and go through things physically. You should be able to sync up and say, hey, we ran this play before. We're going to run it again. Is everybody good? Let's walk through it. Those type of things. So coaches will be able to adjust, uh, but it shouldn't be that much of a problem. But you'll probably see more people's bread and butter. All right. It's coming up Sunday, Washington at Houston. Salute to service game. Appreciate the time. Former Washington wide receiver, Anthony Armstrong. And you can listen to him on the Believe Commanders podcast. You can also follow him at Mr. Armstrong 13 on Twitter. Anthony, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Yes, indeed. Thank you, DP. Thanks for having me. Man, I hope those Twitter handles are important come Tuesday morning, but it might not be for any of us, which will be sort of weird, but eh. Say lovey if that's what it is, and we have to move on to some other social media app, Instagram, Mastodon, uh, chess piece. I don't know, whatever. It's all out there right now. So it'll be weird, though, because Twitter has been a huge part of all of our lives. Now, another person who is part of all of our lives, and it's a great thing, is Drew Doherty. And he played Jenga while they did a Drew's Dozen with Christian Harris. Take a listen. Today's competitor was born and raised in Baton Rouge. She's a graduate of U High. And then he went on to Alabama where he was a star for the Crimson Tide. He made grown men hug the day he was drafted by the Houston Texans in the third round. Those grown men, of course, his head coach and his general manager. But we're talking about Christian Harris. You've been starting the last three games or so. You've got four games under your belt. And now you got a Jenga contest. Fine, yeah, we got a little. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's All right, so it. recap the rules. You can't take anything off the top three, and you can only pull a block and put it on with one hand. So you're first. All right. What's your favorite game to play? Uno, for sure. Uno? We pull out the cards, so I'm never losing. Do you still play at all? I mean, if I'm with my family a lot, I'm not going to lie. Like, Or we'll uh, play them iMessage games now. Oh, yeah, 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 you, yeah, know, yeah. you can play, the, play pool on there. If you were a dog, what, what type would you be? What type of dog would you be if you're a dog? I'd probably say a Doberman. I just really want a Doberman, so yeah. and then yeah, I just like Doberman, so that's really. <laughs> you think you're gonna remember put on top? You think you're gonna get a Doberman sometime soon? Hopefully in the off season. Yeah, I yeah. can't right now. I ain't got no time. So yeah, man, it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, it's a lot right? going on right now, but yeah. probably in the off season for sure. Okay, Doberman. Did you grow up with Dobermans at all? I actually had a chocolate lab. That was my first dog. Okay, that was your first dog. Was a chocolate lab. What is your zodiac sign though? Capricorn. Capricorn. I'm a Capricorn. Okay. Yeah, January. Who is your celebrity lookalike? I don't like this. <laughs> Why? What's wrong? Who is Everybody it? tell me I look like Lil Yachty because I got little braids and stuff. Okay. It's a, yes. Don't go look up that picture. I won't. Yeah, don't do that. You have my <laughs> vow. Ah, what's your go-to karaoke song? I haven't done karaoke recently, like in a long time, but just try to throw out any random song. If there's any Michael Jackson all days, like... I'll probably be able to, you know, get that out of my system. You got a favorite Michael Jackson song? Probably Thriller. Thriller. Yeah. It's a good That's one. just, you can't miss. It's always good around Halloween. Too. I mean, it's good all the time. But yeah, Halloween, Halloween, perfect time, really. Yep. What is your most used emoji? What's the one that you're, like, thinking? And you're like this? <laughs> you know, like, looking up? Yeah, I just, I'm always sending that. Okay. Yeah, I'm always sending that one. That's the one, huh? Yeah, that's a go-to for sure. That is a good one. What's your guilty pleasure song? It comes on in the car, and you're by yourself, and you start singing it. But if you were in the car with other people, you might turn the channel, mm. or you might not sing it. Where is that? Is it There Goes My Baby by Usher? I, I, I think that's a song. It used to be on my dad's ringtone from okay. my mom, and I, it was just like a song that's like always in my head. Every time I hear it, I get to blurt that out. But okay. I am not singing that around nobody. I got gotcha. you. But that is a nice memory. It's yeah. about your parents, yeah. and they're, that's, that's cool. That's but cool. I, I can't sing that around nobody. That, that'll qualify. We'll give yeah. you that one. I wouldn't put it here to do that. Oh, what other sport could you be a pro at? I played basketball and track when I was little. 
My height, me being 6'1", I don't know if basketball would be, I'd probably say track. What events did you run in track? 100, 200, football Sprinter. one. Yeah. All right, yeah. Whole time. The good stuff. Yeah. Did you do any track. field events? Nah, I was all my brother. Just yeah, I got a bigger brother. Yeah, he did all of those things. What did he do? Shot put, discus, javelin. So he's a big guy. Yeah, they made him run the 400 for fun. Well, he wanted to for fun. Man, he should have run the, the, the decathlon if he could run the four and do all the field events. Hey, like man, I don't, athlete. I can I wasn't doing no field events, though. I'm a sprinter. <laughs> What's your first memory as a kid? My first memory, I don't want to relate it to football, but it is probably more related to football. My favorite moment was like my first year playing football. I was uh, playing with the South Bay Rouge Rams. Okay. I was like playing running back, so it was flag football. And I had a uh, play in the, so one play I was just running one way and then I got on my tippy toes and like changed direction. It was like my first touchdown. So it was like a big moment for me and my family. That's awesome. Yeah, were we like fun. five, six, seven? Yeah, five, six. Four, guy. We're really four or five. Yeah, that's when I first started playing. So Putting on the moves. That's <laughs> awesome. Trying to be like Reggie Bush. Which teammate is the best hype man? I like that one. Best hype man, I like Wallow, Garrett Wallow. Okay. He just always has energy. And yeah. he's like a Louisiana guy too, so he kind of just already turns me up every time I see him. So, yeah. There's a crew of you guys from Louisiana. Yeah, me, him, Sting, yeah, yep, for yep. sure. So, and we, it's like closer areas. Baton Rouge is like 45 minutes, I think, from New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, we, we got a good little connection going on. It's not bad. Yeah. He was a hype man. Who, which of your teammates calms you down the most? Is there anybody that does that or needs to do that? Or? I'd probably say, uh, I mean, I do it myself, trying to calm myself down. But if I was, like, looking up to, it'd probably be older guys. Okay. Yeah, just like, you know, you get to asking questions, they calm me down. Like, yeah. Kirko is like a mentor for me here, basically, so he helped me out a Seems lot Seems like that. a wise guy, you know, yeah. like a guy that's got a lot of knowledge. What would your superpower be? If I could choose, just be the fastest, like, flash, as fast as possible, like, speed of light. What's your favorite <laughs> cheat meal? You guys Ooh. all eat pretty darn well these days, but what, when you kind of let yourself go, what is it? I'd much rather go home if it was, like, for a cheat meal in Baton Rouge, and okay. it'd be, like, crawfish etouffee with some, like, fried fish. Fried shrimp. Nice. Yes. Go Where do you get that? My mom. Your my mom does? Yeah, it, your yeah. mom's so cook. They always. Man, you're making me hungry. Is. You're making me hungry. <laughs> you ever had coffee at Dufay? Of course I have. It's delicious. Who is your favorite teammate to sit next to on the plane? Probably Sting. Now, I sit next to Sting already, but, okay. I mean, that's just my boy. We joking around all the time uh, on the way there, on the way back, so... Yeah, probably for sure staying. So he's pretty quiet when he's talking with the media yeah. and folks like that, but not a quiet guy, huh? No, nah, I mean, that's, he's, he's, a, he's a jokester for sure. I mean, right. he'll probably be a little shy when you first meet him, but, you know, once you get to know him, he, he's pretty hilarious. And you guys have known each other for a while. Y'all played seven on seven, I think yeah. it was, I heard. For the yeah. bootleggers, L.A. bootleggers. Yeah, so you, yeah. you guys have been around for a long time together. That's pretty cool. Oh! Before See? we go, would you want brunch with Jay-Z or $500,000? Brunch with Jay-Z. Oh. I would love to pick his brain. Okay. Yeah. You'd want the knowledge, yeah. not the cash. Yeah, the cash, it'll fit me. Well, with me, you just get a victory. <laughs> so this has been fun. Christian yes, Harris, I appreciate thanks so much that. for the time, man. Yes, sir. Drew goes down. Down goes Doherty. Doherty loses to Christian Harris. Good job, Christian. Way to take on Drew. Now, this weekend, a lot of games going on in the NFL. I'm going to pick them. Talk about key storylines and everything going on with the NFL. Next, straight up and against the spread for fun. For fun, I'm picking all the games right here on Texans All Access. Oh, we've reached my favorite part of the show where I, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, get, uh, well, I get competitive here because it's time for my picks. I make every pick, picking every game on Sunday and Monday, straight up and against the spread for fun. For fun, 
I am required by legal to say that because it is for fun. It's always fun to just talk about NFL teams, NFL games, right? So let's go. Get me my music and let's rock and start in Atlanta where the Bears are taking on the Falcons. Justin Fields has been all kinds of awesome running the football. But the Falcons are favored by three at home, and I'm taking the Falcons to win. They're not going to slow down Justin Fields, but the Bears' defense won't slow down Marcus Mariota and the Falcons. I can't believe I just said that. Marcus Mariota and the Falcons will not be stopped by the Bears. Yeah, I just said that again. So take Atlanta to win and to cover that three-point spread. The Browns the Bills will play at Ford Field. They will not play in the snow gasm that is going on right now in Orchard Park. So they're moving that game to Detroit, and hopefully the Bills can get there. Buffalo's favored by eight. I don't know if I love that. I just think the Bills have got to do whatever possible to get a win. I think they will, but the Browns are going to get inside that eight. Bills win, Browns get inside the eight. Eagles are taking on the Colts in Indianapolis. Philadelphia is a seven-point favorite at Indy after playing on a Monday night where they got beat. Now, I don't think things are completely fixed in Indianapolis, but I think the competitive Jones is absolutely there for them now. I don't think Colts win. I think Eagles will win. But the Colts, with Matt Ryan back as the starting quarterback, will keep this thing within seven Let's go Eagles 29-25. That's a weird score. Let's go 31-27. That's a little bit more standard. Eagles win, but the Colts will cover that seven. Jets are going to the Patriots. Man, this might be one of the better games of the day. Now, it won't be a lot of scoring. The over-under for this is 38. Patriots are favored by three and a half. I still think there's a little bit of Fugazi with the Jets. Not all the way. And I was pumping up the Jets coming into the season. But I think there's just a little bit there. Zach Wilson's still not quite there yet. Hasn't put a team on his back. Going against the Patriots, I think they'll frustrate him again. They frustrated him in a matchup a few weeks ago. I think the Patriots get the sweep and cover the three and a half against the Jets. The Rams are taking on the Saints. The Saints are a three-point favorite in the Dome. However, Matt Stafford is off the injury list. He is ready to go, and for that reason, I'm giving the road underdog a straight-up win against the Saints. I do not trust the Saints at all. At all. Not like I trust the Rams, but put it this way. If the Rams were to lose and the Texans were to win, the Rams would have the same number of losses as the Texans. Think about that for a second. There's only one lost separating them now so I don't think that's going to happen I do think the Texans are going to win but the Rams will pull the upset on the road against the Saints Saints are two and four at home I think the Rams are going to get them let's go to this game I think this game is going to be this one's all kinds of interesting and it gave me probably the biggest uh level of agita if you will Lions going to take on the G-Men now the Lions and won two in a row. That is called a winning streak. The Giants are only favored by three. And I'm telling you, if we'd had any bit of firepower, shown any bit of firepower in the first quarter, and not turned the ball over in the fourth quarter two times in the red zone, we would have beaten the Giants last week and probably beat them by a touchdown. 
for that reason, I'm picking the Giants to win by more than three. The Lions are talented, but two in a row, it stops. The Giants are favored by three. I'm picking the Giants to get that win over the Lions in MetLife Stadium. Giants are 4-1 at home. Lions did get that win last week on the road, so they're 1-3. They got that against Chicago. They'll have a little bit easier time than the Lions will stopping the Giants because there's no Justin Fields, but Daniel Jones can get loose. The Giants find ways to win. Panthers-Ravens. Now, the Panthers are struggling. 13's a tough number, though. I think the Ravens at home, favored by 13. I think the Panthers will get inside that number. I do think the Ravens win this game, but give the Panthers a cover inside that 13. I don't know how, but they're going to find a way. Afternoon games. Raiders taking on the Broncos. The Broncos are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. They'll get a measure of revenge against the Raiders. One of the two Raiders wins against the Broncos. The other one, well, you know. Broncos are going to win this one, though. I don't know how because the Broncos are just treading on life support right now. I don't know how it's going to happen. But Broncos are going to win at home and cover that two-and-a-half. Cowboys take on the Vikings in Minnesota. 8-1 Minnesota. Dallas is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. No way. Vikings, with that win over Buffalo, continue on the ascent. They beat Dallas in Minnesota and definitely do it by more than one and a half. Bengals take it on the Steelers. The Steelers are just not a good football team right now. And the Bengals will beat them and cover that four-point spread. And then Sunday, key news here for the Chargers. They will get Mike Williams and potentially Keen Allen back. The Chiefs lost two wide receivers. The Chiefs are favored by only five. We're still taking the Chargers to get inside that number, but the Chiefs will still find a way to win. And the 49ers taking on the Cardinals in Mexico City. San Francisco's favored by eight. We give the Cardinals a cover, but the Niners will go get the win in Mexico City. All right, when we get back, Obo Okoronkwo, Drew Doherty's final word. That's next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, and we got a lot to do in this segment. We got Drew's final word with Christian Harris, but we're going to kick it off with Mark and I catching up with Obo Okoronkwo. This is fun. I, I He went to A-Leaf Taylor, and so A-Leaf Taylor is not too far away from where I lived for the last uh, 10, 11 years, and now I live in a different spot of town, but I know A-Leaf seemingly pretty well. When I was going to high school, it's not A-Leaf, but we used to play A-Leaf, Elsick, and Hastings, and A-Leaf Taylor didn't exist. It does now. And one of their graduates is Obo Okoronkwo. This is fun. All right, joining us right now in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, Obonia Okoronkwo. Welcome, Obo. Hello, thanks for having me. All right, so I got the correct pronunciation of your you name. You did that well. Obonia. You did that well. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's Sorry, Obo. I'm going straight Obo. I couldn't do that. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we, I, during the game when I'm doing the play-by-play, I just say Obo. Because we're in the heat of battle there, and I don't want to screw it up, but uh, I've got it. It's good, and we have Dari on the show also tonight, so this is great. And you guys are cousins, right? Or not really? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we outing you right now? Yeah, we're we're, we're cousins. Uh, with quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, quotation marks. <laughs> that Nigerian connection is strong. Well, you've had participation in the NFL camp in Africa, right? Oh, yes, sir. With OC and those guys? Yes, sir. Very nice. Oh, yeah. What is that like for you to go over there? Uh, it, was, it was really cool. It was an honor to be able to go to Africa and, and, you know, do the first, like, a real official American football there, you know, go and throw that combine. It was really cool. How often had you been over there? Was it the first time you did something like that? Uh, that was the first time I've done something like that there. 
would you go back and do it again? And what was what was the most rewarding part of going over there and doing that? I'll definitely go back. And the most rewarding part, I think, was just giving those guys who wouldn't have got the opportunity otherwise, you know, opportunity to really show what they could do. So when you're sitting over there and you're trying, I mean, were these were these individuals that had never seen football, had played other sports? What what was kind of the situation for you when you went over there? Did they know anything about football? Uh, they they knew some, but a lot of them were basketball players, so it translated uh-huh. really well. Yeah. And so, pretty good athletes. Very good athletes. How was it to teach the game to people that really didn't know it? Um, it, it was it was interesting because you know uh, it threw out all rules that they knew of the sports that they regularly played. You know, so right. So it was cool. It was like just uh, I guess playing with like a like a blank canvas. You know? Yeah, yeah. Just being able to like give them all the foundations to the game. It was cool. Very cool. Well, in Senegal, there's an NBA academy. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you foresee a day where we'll have an NFL academy, something more permanent over there in Africa? One hundred percent. That's the goal for NFL Africa. Uh, when it's all said and done, you know, just have, have a pipe, a, have a uh, academy with a pipeline. There already is a pipeline. It'll just get a lot bigger, yes, a bigger sir. pipe. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. no doubt. And there obviously has been a significant connection here in Houston. You grew up. You went to A. Leaf Taylor. I was sharing this beforehand. Um, I'm so old that when I went to high school, the market consolidated. We didn't even play Taylor. We played Elsick and Hastings because Taylor didn't even exist. Back when you were mm-hmm. playing, you you had a few you had a few players on your roster at A. Leaf Taylor. Did you not when you were growing up? Yes, sir. Who did you have on your roster that ended up? I want to say you had an NFL player on that roster. Who did you uh, have yeah, on that roster? I just played him a couple weeks ago, Joshua Kalu. Oh, Josh oh, Kalu's yeah. on your roster. Uh, yeah, for the Tennessee Titans, uh, he was on my roster. He. He played returner, safety, yeah. quarterback. He, he he was just an athlete for us. Okay, so I'm going to ask a question that I'm sure a lot of people in the state of Texas would want to know. Why did you pick Oklahoma instead of maybe a school in Texas? Because it's a on? Texas school, basically. Well, it go, is. Go but on, Oboe. I'm sorry. Was it a tough decision to go to Oklahoma? Uh, when I, I mean, when I visited, I knew I wanted to go there. Uh, I felt like they had everything I, I needed, and they were going to get me to the next level, so. What was the biggest thing that sold you on Oklahoma? Was Coach Stoops still there when he yeah, when you were there? I think it was Coach Stoops. Just the uh, how the way he was he's able to connect with his players. You know, it was mm-hmm. you knew you're going into a family to a family oriented team. You know, it's a nice campus too. A lot yeah, of people don't realize how nice it is yeah. there. Yeah, it's All beautiful. Right. Uh, so tell me about the story of you taking up football as a sport. Right? Did your father not want you to play? I thought I read something like that. Uh, I wouldn't say he didn't want me to play, but he didn't want me to play for for like. For nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. He didn't want me to just play just to play. He wanted me to focus on school. Okay. You know, so when I started playing, um, I guess I didn't tell them, you know, <laughs> outright because I didn't want them to, like, stop it before it started. You know, so uh, I only started playing because one of my coaches, who, who's also my health teacher, thought I should play. You know, and I was just like, mm, uh, I'll, I'll give it a try, you know. Were you doing other sports before that? No, you know, I was I was a little artsy kid. Okay. Yes. Uh, what kind of art? Tell us. Uh, I liked writing. I loved music. Mm-hmm. I liked taking pictures. Um, but I was doing stuff like that. Uh, I was skateboarding a little bit, too. And your health teacher says, you know what? Football. Yeah, and I was just like, mm, all right. Give it a shot. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. And that's I, pretty amazing. Like, give it a shot. Like, all right. And you just go to the NFL with it. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's taking and doing the best with your particular shot. Okay, so I'm going to ask this because you said you're uh, – I've got a number of my wife is an art teacher, was an art teacher. She's an artist. My daughter's an artist in acting and all that kind of stuff. So when you get on the field, where do you, where do you have to go mentally to kind of find that football violence that you need to have out on the field? Like, what, where did that come from to be able to find that 
and be that successful on the defensive side of the ball for not having played growing up? I think um, I think when I play, that's like that's like my alter ego, you know. Like, cause in, in that's obesity. Yeah, uh huh. Because in real life, I'm super. I'm, I'm soft spoken. Yeah. I'm not really too loud, you know. But but when I'm on the field, I, I'm running around screaming and. You know, I don't even know who that guy is on Sunday. But you didn't start playing until relatively late in high school. So was it a surprise to you when that came out between the lines, that side of your personality? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, and as I got more comfortable, it got a little, it got a little crazier, you know. So it was, <laughs> it was fun to, to meet that side of me, I guess. <laughs> but if you're an artsy guy and you're into writing, and it, I'm not saying you're putting on an act because obviously it's been pretty successful. But it's almost like you're stepping out of your body. You're going into a different role, is it not? Yeah, yeah, you could, you could say that for sure. That's interesting. I mean, I never, never really thought about that because you just see guys that go on in a field, and especially on defense, when they're defensively dominant, like, man, you see the violent hands, you see everything, and you would think, okay, that guy grew up playing a game, and then obviously it's not. When did, you, when did you start? As a senior? Junior year. Junior year. That's when you first – was it the first time you had played football or had you dabbled in it uh, before? I, I dabbled in it, like, but just wasn't – it wasn't really – I didn't really think it was for me. And so no football coaches walked the hallway and were like, come on, man, come on. They was, weren't in your ear at all? Because I know a lot of football coaches I, that would have been in your ear a I, long time before I that. I didn't hit my growth spurt until, like, end of sophomore year, yeah. you know. So then I, like, shot up to, like, six one, six two, And then it was like, okay, who's this guy walking through the hallways, you know? Yep, at A. Leaf Taylor, they're like, hey, so you go to Oklahoma, and did you think NFL right away, or did you think this could happen, or were you just trying to get acclimated to college ball and college Honestly, I was still trying to get acclimated to ball in general. Mm -hmm. So I I think I learned most of my my football knowledge in in Oklahoma, you know, playing there. And I think after the first couple years, I saw the NFL was, like, definitely like a possibility, you know. So It's amazing to think about. Your game the other day against the Giants – I told Coach after the game, because I'm always, I'm always in Mark's ear talking to him, even though if I'm not on the air, I'm still talking to him. So I kind of help him with who's making tackles, who's making plays. I said your name a bunch against the Giants. It felt like it was the most impactful game you've had. Was there something that clicked or just that was your, that was your day? What's been kind of been going on? Because that was probably your best performance, I felt like, this year, Obo. I'll say just trusting the scheme, you know, just uh, playing hard and um, – just trying to empty the tank, you know, but within the guidelines of what the defense is asking for, you know. Um, the defense is, like, it's made for us, to, for, like, a D-line to, yeah. like, you know, make a bunch of plays behind the line of scrimmage or, you know, put us in position to, so. You said something right away that I always think about. Trust the scheme. Mm-hmm. How, how tough is that for players to be like, okay, coaches wanted me to do this, but my natural instinct says this, but you know what? I got to trust me. How tough is that to trust the scheme? I mean, yeah, it's tough, you know, because uh, I feel like everybody feels like they see they see something, you know. But it's like if you if you just trust the scheme, you know, and you do it consistently, more times than not, like good things will happen for you. Obo Okoronkwo with us. All right, so you were Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, and now OU is going to go into the SEC. Do you have feelings or a reaction about that? <laughs> uh, I think we're going to dominate the SEC just like we dominate the Big Twelve. Ooh. All right. Well, that's why to, this year's a little bit of a down year. Yeah, you know, we're just back. figuring it out. BV got he got this. We got faith in, in, in Brent Venables. Was Brent there when you were there, or was no, he gone? He was no, already. I missed it. him. Yeah, I missed him on his way to Clemson. Yeah, yeah, you missed him on his way to Clemson. But what I've heard, about Stoops? What about Stoops filling in as the interim after Lincoln Riley left last year during bowl season? That was kind of cool. Actually. Yeah, uh, Bob Stoops. He's a uh, he's one of those guys. Uh, you can you can call him off the couch and he can go clutching in the Rose Bowl if if, if asked to. You know. You, like, played that, you played that Rose Bowl. Was that 
That was your final. Your 2017 was your final season, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. that was my last college game. So you, how often do you think back to that night? Uh, I, a lot. I'm sick about it still. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. This is why I asked yeah. because you remember the great wins and the great sacks and the great plays, but that one, the one that got away. Double overtime. Yeah, in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Can you just see plays over and over again as you look back to it? I can see that, that last play. Oh, like I, I see that play all the time. Every time I see a toss crack, I think about that play. Ooh. That was the play they ran. Yeah, that was the last play of the game. Oh, man. And we've seen toss crack this year a yeah. few times, too. Oh, my goodness. Obo, you were part of a Super Bowl team last year, right? Yes, so here you are with the Houston Texans and a lot of young players. It's a struggle right now. We've got eight games left in the regular season. What do you say to the young players? You're a leader on this team. What do you say to the young players about hanging in there and keep pushing and keep doing your best and the good times will start coming at some, at yeah, some just point? As long, as long as there's a shot, like we need to just you know play as hard as we can, you know? Um, there's a lot of talent, a talent, a lot of young talent. You know, these guys are going to be really good players for a long time. You know, I just tell them right now, like, like just, just try to like trust, trust everything, trust everybody, play as hard as you can, and like good things will happen. You know, uh, we work really hard uh, every day at practice. You know, so like, eventually something, something. You know, some, if if we stay consistent, something has to, has to go in our favor. You know, and that's all we try to preach to them. Okay, let's get to the actual real question. How did you feel when you opened the ring box and saw your Super Bowl ring? <laughs> Is that a pretty good day? Yeah. Uh, did it blow you away when you open up and look at it? Yeah, it like, did. It, it did. And I, when I saw how big it was. Mm. I was just like, wow. Like, Is it even wearable, Oboe? I mean, is it the size of a small hand? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like an egg. It's like an egg. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an egg. <laughs> I can't remember. Does it twist off? Does it pop off? Oh, yeah, it, it twists off and it shows the uh, inside of SoFi Stadium, Stadium where, where we actually won the game. So, you, which is at your home? How, mm-hmm. I would imagine for everybody who thinks about Super Bowl, they go to a different location. But you actually play at your home stadium. What was that like? That was super cool. You know, after the game, like we're already with our families. Yeah. You know, got yeah. to just go go to dinner. It was cool. It was really, it was a really nice night. That is really interesting. You're with your families. You get to sleep in your own bed. You don't you have to fly back. You want an egg on your finger. You, get mean, the, the, you don't get the egg that night, John. Yeah, you don't get it at night, but still. Yeah. You get it Donald showed everybody he had, he had yeah. his thoughts. I mean, that was the first thing he thought about was, I made a sack. I get a ring. I mean, it was that simple. He you did get, the math. You get it later on. Oh, well, message for the fans here. Because like we said, eight games to go. You got a home game this Sunday against Washington, a team that won on Monday Night Football against Philly, previously undefeated. And I know you're familiar with that team, so familiar with the tape. What do you have to say to the fans as we get ready for Sunday? Um, we're really close. This team is uh, really competitive. Uh, we got a lot of fight in us. There's a lot of a lot of season left, you know. So, you know, just stay the course with us. We're we're gonna get it together. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck, Obo. Thank you. I thought last week against the Giants was Obo's best game. Played the run extremely well. I told him about that obviously during the interview. I think he had a really solid ball game. So. Hopefully he gets more quality reps, is able to do his thing on Sunday against the Commanders, and the Texans can walk out with a victory. Now, to get a victory, this next guest needs to have himself uh, another ball game like he's had the last couple, and that's Christian Harris, rookie linebacker. And I'll tell you this quick story. On Sunday against the Giants, Giants first drive, and they're moving the ball okay. And they run Saquon Barkley away from Christian Harris. So it was to the offense's left, defense's right. And Christian was on the defensive left. So he's all the way away from the play. I'm, I'm telling you, Barkley started off to the left side. And I'm like, uh-oh, he's got something. And then all of a sudden, I could see out of the corner of my eye, I could see this blur. 
and Christian Harris was flying from the other side, and wham, he hit Barkley right in the helmet. And I heard it through my headphones. Now, that's pretty tough. In MetLife, which is a pretty loud environment, I got to have Mark and Andre turned up pretty loudly in my ears. So I hear the hit as Mark's calling the play, and I just immediately went, whoa! <laughs> and I could tell – I could – I heard Mark kind of hesitate for a second because he didn't quite know why I said that to him. And then I was like, and then, of course, I'm always in his ear. I said, Christian Harris. And he said, oh, okay. Because then he saw the replay and he got it because Christian Harris blasted Saquon Barkley. Need more of that from this guy in Drew Doherty's final word with Christian Harris. Linebacker Christian Harris is the guest now on the player pregame special. Christian, great to be with you. Four games in now because you missed some time because of the injury, but four games in. You get the bulk of the snaps that first one. You've started the last three. How much have you grown? What have you learned in that span? I mean, I've learned a lot, really. Uh, honestly, I think one of the biggest things for me is to just, you know, slow my tempo down and trust my pace, trust my preparation that I put in going into these weeks for these games. I mean, I know stage is a lot bigger. People can say that with, you know, just better players and it being the NFL. But, you know, I think the concept of football stays the same. It's still the child's game. So continuously finding ways to remind myself of that or have guys do that for me help me out a lot. So with all that in mind, what is something that you like that you've done? And mm -hmm. what's something that you want to get better at? I'm liking how I'm able to utilize my speed, seeing you know, how I can make plays with that. But I think just from a physicality standpoint, I think I want to do better with that, uh, using my hands a little more, more trusting myself with my reads and just what I'm seeing, just so I can play a lot faster. You know, you're one of many rookies, both sides of the ball, whether you were drafted or not, that have started and, mm -hmm. and contributed so far this season to the Texans. Is there kind of a kinship, kind of a bond with you guys that are first-year players right now? Most definitely. I think a lot of it comes from just us being in the SEC, played against Austin, like I played against DP, and I know guys like Sting, so we already, I mean, I trained with Petrie at Exos for, uh, for the Combine, so I got a chance to already build a relationship with these guys coming in, so um, I mean, we all blend in pretty well with that. You want to win now. You want to win this game. Yes. You want to win every single 100%. week. But for the future, that's got to be kind of cool, knowing that you all are part of something, right? Mm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it is good to be part of something. And, I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, bring some more wins to this organization. And, I mean, it really starts right now. Like you said, we're trying to win now. So it's just a matter of attacking that right now. You guys, as a defense, you want to stop the run better. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that that can happen? I think, you know, physicality. I think, you know, on the second level with linebackers, uh, me and myself personally, just doing better with my hands. And when it comes to the point of attack, just trying to be more consistent with that. I think, you know, as a whole, collectively, if we're more consistent on defense. So in that same energy from first to fourth quarter, we'll be a lot better. Washington is the opponent this weekend. You see a familiar face in Brian Robinson mm -hmm. across the yeah. way. As a team, they ran it 49 times mm -hmm. on Monday night. What's the challenge there with Robinson? What's... Has he, has, has he done anything differently than what you were accustomed to seeing back in Tuscaloosa? I mean, I see him, you know, I see him play his game and just do a lot better with that. I mean, just running even harder than he did at Alabama. You know, you're getting a lot faster, good vision. So he's a great all-around back. I mean, it's a great challenge for me. I'm excited, so. And what is quarterback Taylor Heineke? What does he present to you guys? Uh, he's more elusive than I, I think people would think. I mean, he can extend plays and I mean, he, he runs, you know, he does his job fitting in their scheme. I mean, pretty well. Like, I think all of their players do that pretty well. And I mean, they did this last weekend. Come off a big W so yeah I mean they all like I said it'll present pretty good challenges for us when you get ready for a game what time you wake up in the morning for a noon contest probably around like seven six thirty seven yeah are you able to eat much before the game yeah I mean I eat around like eight or nine I mean we don't play till 12 so I have enough time to you know eat and get it all digested get hydrated and stuff so I'll be ready for it anything you're listening to before the game gets going uh in the morning I wake up with like this morning praise like I got this little gospel playlist I got my mom sent me uh and then what's after that is mainly probably gonna 
little young thug, young boy, young boy closer to the field. But yeah, that's about it. You ramp things up. I like mm-hmm, that. Yeah. That's good stuff. You gotta well, start off smooth. We're hoping you're ramping up to wins. We appreciate the time, Christian Harris. Yes, Best sir. of luck, and we'll talk to you again very Most soon. Definitely. Appreciate that. The pride of Baton Rouge, right there, Christian Harris, gonna play a big role in this one. Another reminder: Christian Harris grew up with a guy named Derek Stingley. Sting will not play on Sunday. He is ruled out dealing with the hamstring. Uh, Cole Holcomb and J.D. McKissick are both out on the commander's side. So we'll find out this weekend whether Chase Young is officially in or out. What we heard this morning was that more than likely not going to be ready to go, which you know we'll see how that plays out for the commanders. But it's time to get a dub at home. It's been a while. How long? December 26, 2021. That's how long it's been. So let's go get this dub at home against Heineke and the boys and have a good time. And a big thanks to so many people that participated in this show. You heard Christian Harris, Drew Doherty, D.P. Sidhu, Anthony Armstrong, Mark Vandermeer, Lovey Smith, and all of you guys out there for listening. My guys back at Sports Radio 610. You guys are very special. You make it all worth it. We'll see you on Sunday. Bright and early. Kick is at noon. Get in your seats. Be loud. Let's go get a win over Washington. And as always, go Texans.